0: See if there's something in me that needs to be uprooted. See if there's something in me that has the potential to cause me pain or lead me astray. Number one, I want to make it. I want to avoid the Samson collapse. I want to learn from his mistakes so I can finish strong, so you can finish. So number one, let's be alert to our spiritual condition and live a life that practices spiritual examination. But then secondly, not only do I examine myself, I want to be alert to my spiritual condition. I want to be alert to my enemy's strategies. But there's an enemy of our soul that knows the great potential we have, that knows the high and holy calling we possess. He'll love nothing better than to discourage you and knock you off course and make you want to give up. Let us be alert to the enemy's strategies. How Paul wrote, don't be ignorant of Satan's devices. He goes on to say, so that he can't take advantage of us. He wrote this, 2 Corinthians 2 and 11. Paul says, let's not be ignorant of his schemes and his tragedy. Let's be wiser than our enemy. Let's be smarter than him so he doesn't take advantage of us. And then Jesus, how did Jesus say in John 10? He said, listen, the thief comes only to kill, steal, and to destroy. There's a thief out there that wants to rob you of God's best, that wants to steal that calling from your life, that wants to take away the purity from your heart. Even Peter said it to his people. He said, be alert and self-controlled. 1 Peter 5 and 8. Be alert and self-controlled But your enemy. Alert, be watchful. Be diligent, vigilant. Be self-controlled. Your enemy. We have an enemy. It ain't the in-law either. You have an enemy. The devil. And listen, he's aggressive. And he's active. And his attempts... To destroy and derail and discourage and defeat the people of God. That's all there is to it. You know, you go out to battle, you don't come back crying, they shot at me. You expect the enemy to shoot at you, amen? That's what he does. So we shouldn't be surprised that the enemy of our souls tries to take us out. That's what he does. We just need to be alert to it and aware of it and take proper precautions to overcome it. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking Someone to devour. He doesn't want you to have God's best. He doesn't want you to be the one God's called you to be. He doesn't want you to enjoy the wonderful fruit of the Spirit and the joy of the Lord and the peace of God. The enemy knew who Samson was. And listen, he knows who you are. He knows God's hand is upon your life. He knows that God has a desire to bless you and to use you. He recognizes the power and the promise and the potential in your life when you serve Jesus. He knows the fact that there's other people out there that need you. Friend, somebody needs you. Somebody needs the testimony that you need to tell. Somebody needs the song that you got to sing. Somebody needs you to witness to them. Somebody needs you to pray for them. Somebody needs you to stand by their side and be their friend. Oh, somebody, somebody needs you. Somebody needs you. And God desires to use you. Oh, say amen to that. And hell knows that you are made by God and you are made for God. And hell knows that the hand of God is resting upon your life and God has a wonderful plan and future and destiny for your life as you faithfully serve. He knows that and so he'll try to bring us down. He'll try to discourage faith. He'll try to knock you off course. He'll try to condemn you if you fail. He'll try to distract you with other things of this age but oh Fred I want you to know the Lord hath need of thee. God has a calling on thee and the the Lord says, Don't just be separated, but give yourself to me so I can use you to make a difference in the world that you live. We have to be alert. I want to avoid the Samson calamity. I don't want to be one of those, what happened to them? They should have been. So I want to be alert to my spiritual condition. Because how many know nobody's exempt? Nobody's exempt. I'm not exempt. You're not exempt. Amen? I'll be alert to my spiritual condition, but I've got to be alert to my spiritual enemy, and I have one and you have one. The Bible says so. He plays for keeps. Amen? He'll do things like this. He'll attack our weak and vulnerable areas. Strategies. Don't be ignorant of his devices. and What are some of his strategies? What are some of the ways Satan goes about trying to derail us and discourage us and defeat us and try to get men and women to quit? Well, number one, he'll attack weak areas. We're all different, aren't we? He'll, He'll attack vulnerable or wounded areas. If you've been wounded in an area in the past, you've got to give that special attention and care and protection. If you've been weak in an era, maybe your past life, there was a certain area that you had a weakness, you've got to be honest about that and set better boundaries and borders in that area. Common sense, amen? Talked to one brother the other day, and we were just talking, hey, the fact is, some, some things might be a great temptation to you, don't do anything to me, and vice versa. We're all different. we all come out of different worlds. But we've got to be wise enough to know ourselves and recognize the enemy will try to strike us where we're weak and vulnerable and where we've been wounded he knows where you've been wounded you don't think he'll set something up to try to stir that thing back up amen what else you know what he'll try he'll try to lie and deceive you he'll try to get you to doubt the word of god just like he did in the beginning nothing changes in the garden of eden did god say hath god said He wants you to believe the wrong report. But friend, I want you to know God has a good report for his people. God has a wonderful promise for your life. Believe this book. Let this book govern your life. Let this book steer your decisions and choices. Let this book stir your faith and give you a confidence as you walk this good walk. He'll try to lie, but you're going to believe the book. He'll try to come as an angel of light. Didn't Paul say that? As an angel. Oh, Delilah. Beautiful, but deadly. Warm, but wicked. She made me laugh, but now she makes me cry. Ooh, I heard a groan. Ah, you must know who I'm talking about. Oh, an angel of light. Angel of light. Isn't that right, women? He spoke real sweet until he made a lot of promises until angel of light, angel of light. Come on, say amen. He'll attempt. We cry when disaster comes. We ought to amen more when we're trying to get equipped to overcome the disaster. That's all right. Sometimes a groan's pretty good too. I'm talking about the enemy of our souls. He doesn't want that marriage to last. He doesn't want your kid to live. He doesn't want that ministry to be fulfilled. He'll attempt to get the believer to justify and excuse dangerous behavior rather than confess and turn from dangerous behavior. If you keep that up, you're going to get in trouble. Don't keep pushing the envelope of God's grace. It won't last forever. I remember a story, we, we might have told it before, it bears repeating. A pastor was visiting one of his parishioners, happened to be a farmer. While he was waiting for the farmer to come in for the field, so he noticed the side of the barn. There was, there was a half a dozen so beautiful um, um, targets drawn. You know, the circle targets? And in each one, that arrow had hit the bullseye perfectly. Bam! Boom! Each one. Finally, the farmer got there, and the preacher said, Hey, brother farmer, I'm impressed. I mean, I didn't know you were such an archer, such a marksman. Every target, every target, perfect. And the farmer got down from the tractor. said, Oh, Reverend, that's easy. I shoot the arrows first, then I go and draw the target around them. I said, I mean, the preacher said, sounds like some Christians I know. They act first, then try to rationalize. Act first, then try to justify. Act first, hey, here, here's, the, 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 here's the, the slogan of the backslider. We act first, then try to justify. Act first, then try to excuse it. Amen? Samson had a great call, then Samson had a great collapse. You don't have to have a great collapse. You can avoid a great collapse. You can be wiser than your enemy. You can examine your heart. You can practice getting forgiven real quick before that thing snowballs. God's full of mercy and grace. His collapse brought about a great calamity. Verse 21, the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, put shackles on him. He was blinded. He was bound. The day he thought would never come. Remember, every act of sin is forgivable. The effects of some are not erasable. Can I say that again? Though every act of sin is forgivable, the effects of some are not erasable. Wow. The Bible is very clear. Be sure your sin will find you out. We can hide it from men. We can hide it sometimes from ourselves. but We can't hide it from God. And the Bible teaches us. The life of Samson illustrates to us how sin deadens and then sin kind of deceives and then sin disorientates ultimately destroys it deadens because it blinds us to that dangerous place it deafens us to the warning call back in the day when you'd listen to that radio and you'd leave town and the farther you got from town the harder it got to hear the farther you got from your city the weaker that signal got until finally you couldn't hear the station at all that's what sin does It distances us from the Father. The farther we get away from Him, the less we can hear Him, the less we're sensitive to Him. Sin deadens and sin deceives. It makes us a willing participant to our own destruction. Then sin disorientates. You lose discernment. You get knocked off course. You wake up and say, How did I get here? I never thought I'd wind up. Mm. Mm. Now listen, as I was studying this and going through this, chewing it over in my mind again and again and again, recognizing it's really not a evangelistic service; it's a believer's meeting. Now I got to think about the life of Samson. And one of the emphasis we try to put from every sermon is we don't have to wind up like Samson. That God puts these things in his word as examples and warnings to us so we can avoid those endings and make the proper responses. And as I got to think about that, early this week I began to get happy, get blessed. As I began to think about the many people that I know And really, if you've ever drifted from the Lord at all, I think maybe we can all testify a little bit here. I know many people that have, thank God, have avoided a Samson-like collapse or ending. Maybe you're here today, maybe you're one of them. We can all identify a little bit. Men and women that maybe did miss the mark at one time, maybe they drifted for a while when they were young, had a close call with a foolish decision, but ultimately they responded to the wake-up calls. They accepted the disciplines. They heard and finally responded to the warnings of the Spirit, and past mistakes didn't drive an eternal wedge between them and God. But you returned, and you responded to God's grace, and you're here this morning. Many of us are here this morning. And it isn't because we've lived a perfect life. But by God's grace, we turned. And God's grace, we took that heaven sent U-turn and got back on course and cleaned things up. And we avoided a Samson-like ending. Maybe you can relate to some of the people I've been thinking about. And I believe if you're here today and you understand what it is to one having drifted and maybe you made some dumb decisions, but by the grace of God you turned it around, maybe you can identify with some of these thoughts that came across this week. Number one, the one that will avoid the Samson ending is the one that will respond to the mercy and the grace of God's forgiveness. He is a forgiving God. And if you're here today living right and you've ever drifted for a moment, you've ever strayed for a season you've ever done things that were wrong and you paid the price but instead of getting bitter against god you were broken before god and you said lord forgive me lord forgive me god give me another chance and you're here today this amazing grace of god let us respond to the mercy and the grace of a forgiving God. If you're here today and you need forgiveness, it's one prayer away. It's one confession away. It's one surrender away if you're here today. And maybe you weren't always walking like you should have walked, but you're clean today and you're on fire today. Give God praise today. Hallelujah. What happened? You responded to the mercy and grace of a forgiving God, but don't stop there. And you were reminded. I think we all remember whenever we mess up, whenever we do things we shouldn't have done, we begin to remember the joy of living within God's boundaries. That devil lies. He pulls out that thing. He portrays a picture that's false. That devil is guilty of false advertising. Can you say amen? He portrays it. He says, this is this, This is that. Listen, God's way is the best way. Don't let anyone ever tell you different. Can you say amen? Say it again. God's way is the best way. You might be listening to the devil's lies. Wake up. Turn around. Come back. God's plan is best. God's will is best. God's place is best. You begin to remember the joy of living within God's boundaries. You wake up in that place and you say, you know what? It was better serving God. I remember the story of the prodigal son in the pig pen. The memory of the father's house begins to turn things around. Do you remember the story? He's in the pig pen. He lost it all. He's in a shameful place. He messed up big time. But from that place of failure, he remembers. Oh, you know what? Back in the father's house, it was good. Back in the father's house, there was peace. Back in the father's house, there was joy. I remember reading about a young man that went to Bible school. He got out of Bible school and became a youth pastor for a couple of years. It was a bad experience. It was a frustrating, difficult experience for him, and he got upset and he ran from the call of God. Joined the police force of that city, and for 20-some-odd years, he was a cop. Two failed marriages, he was a cop. Out of nowhere, he got an invitation to the Bible School's maybe 25th anniversary. And because someone actually got a hold of him, he said, yeah, I'll come. Went back to that 25th anniversary, saw his old friends, and in there, they had the pictures of their Bible school days pictures and he saw a picture of himself with that smile on his face joy just flowing out of his heart, continents full of hope and passion and he reminded himself right there I think that's the last time in my life I was really happy full of purpose, excited about my future Oh friend don't let anyone ever tell you otherwise, God's way is the best way be reminded there's joy in living for god there's joy in living within the boundaries of god hell will sell you a bill of goods but when you get there you're grieving and you're shameful and you're guilty and condemned but in the father's house there's therefore now no condemnation in the father's house there's acceptance significance security there's purpose there's peace there's joy in the father's house you can't beat that come on say amen and you'll notice if you've ever been there, this is what happened. You sat down. I met one buddy of mine. He's pastoring a good-sized church up in Jacksonville now. He says, he, he says Joe, back in the day, we were in Bible school together. He, he says, I was at a bar. I was bouncing at the bar. And the Holy Spirit came all over me. I mean, most of us wouldn't go into a bar to witness to someone, but the Holy Ghost, he'll go anywhere, amen? I'm supposed to be bouncing. The Spirit of God came on me. The bar became an altar. I couldn't hold back my tears. Big old guy, played Division I football. Big old guy, he's weeping. And he reminded himself, God's way, God's call. That's where there's peace. That's where there go. He left it. He pastored pastoring, turned it around. You respond to the mercy of God. You receive the grace and forgiveness of God. You remember the joy of living within the boundaries of God. That's the place you want to live. Young people, stay within the boundaries of God. They're loving boundaries. They're safeguards. They're protectors. They're to keep you from harm. They're to keep you from defilement. They're to keep you from damage. We go on, not only respond, remember, but now renounce. I don't want to end up like Samson. So I need to renounce any activity that lured me outside God's boundary in the past. If you're going to make it, You got to make some changes and adjustments to stay in the victory. You got to see the real enemy, and you got to learn to renounce any activity that lured you outside God's boundary in the past. Even if it's a hymn, even if it's a renounce it and then rebuild. I got to renounce the things that the enemy used to deceive me and defile me and discourage me and to lead me outside the will of God. Renounce them. Don't try to straddle the fence. Renounce them. Take it out of your house. Renounce them. Stop. Don't answer their phone call. Take them off your texter list or whatever it's called. Renounce them. Your soul is worth more than all of that. Respond, renounce, and then rebuild. Do you want to make it? Do you want to finish strong? Do you want to make sure you don't end up like a Samson? Do you want to fulfill that promise? Do you want to see God's promise come to pass in your life? Then rebuild the fences that have been trampled. Good, consistent standards, moral lifestyle changes, or a safety and a protection for the child of God. If you want to finish strong, You must structure your life to do so. If you want to finish strong, you structure your life to do so. You want to have a healthy marriage that lasts 50, 60, 70 years, you structure your life to do so. You want to be a man that can stay pure in a very polluted world, you structure your life to do so. thank you but samson didn't do that i'm glad i know many of you did that you made a mistake as a teenager but you didn't let that mistake identify you or label you forever you responded to the mercy and grace of a forgiving god that will forgive any sin and receive any repentant heart you did that you did that you remembered what it was to be serving god You remember the joy you used to have being able to praise God with a freedom that knowing your heart is cleansed. And then you renounced the people and the relationships and the activities that hell was using to defile you and deceive you and somehow one day wanted to destroy you. And you rebuilt fences of your life. You returned to God's house. You returned to godly living. You returned to being around the people of God. Glory. But Samson didn't do that. I said Samson didn't do that. What was a second sermon, I think, was called Seeds of Tragedy and Seeds of Triumph. You can water the seeds of triumph in your life, or you can water the seeds of tragedy in your life. But Samson didn't. But just in case someone's listening, I want you to know that even in calamity there's hope for the contrite. That even in calamity Samson's the man that defeated hundreds single-handedly. He struck fear in his enemies and now, oh how the mighty have fallen. He's being led out by a single slave. His sight, his strength It's freedom, it's all gone. God's champion, now the world's clown. That's what sin will do. See, if you read the story in your devotional time, they say, bring out Samson, let him entertain us. Bring him out, they had a big feast. Bring him out, and let's worship our heathen God and praise our heathen God and make fun of this supposed deliverer Verse 25, while they're in high spirits, they shouted, bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of prison, and he performed for them. And when they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, put me up against the pillars so I can feel them, the support of the temple, so I can lean against them. And now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there. On the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. In verse 28, even in calamity, there's hope for the contrite. You can be a breath away, but if you humble your heart and call on God, he'll forgive you right there in the hospital bed. You can be given a bad report from the doctors, no reversing it, but you can get things right now if you'll come to Christ. Verse 28, Samson prayed to the Lord, O oh, sovereign Lord, remember me. I've blown it. I've missed it. You gave me so much, and I've done so wrong. But, oh, God, remember me. Please strengthen me just one more time. And let me, with one blow, get revenge on the Philistines for my eyes. And then Samson reached towards those two pillars. And the Bible says, pushed with all of his might. Down came the temple. He killed more in that one act than all the battles he had fought before. Something about the forgiveness of God, isn't there? Now, it's best that we avoid this. It's best that we learn from his life and we live in such a way where we can finish strong. It's good to know that there's a God full of mercy and grace, but don't put it off to your deathbed. Walk with this God so you can fulfill your purpose and be fruitful. And do what God's called you to do and and avoid many of those things the enemy would try to mess with you. But if you haven't, maybe you let life go by and you know it's been a wasted life. You can get things right before you meet the Lord. You can make things right with just one sincere repentance and ask for forgiveness. I don't know about years ago, Motel 6 had a commercial. It used to say, we're going to leave the light on for you. And, friend, the light of God's forgiveness is always on. Welcoming sinners home who are willing and want to repent and ask for forgiveness. Now, I know we've got a majority of people here today who are believers. But maybe you've got a loved one. Maybe you've got a friend and they left the way. They drifted from the path. They're following the lies of the world, and they left their high calling. They left their separation. They left their service. Well, before we leave, we can spend some moments praying for them. We can pray that the Holy Spirit can deal with them wherever they are, and to turn them around and wake them up, bring them back to the place they're supposed to be. Let us take to heart the many lessons from the life of Samson, Let's apply the lessons, warnings, and encouragements to our lives. Apply it to me. Apply it to me. Let's fulfill our call. Let's avoid the devil's traps. And let's finish strong for the Lord. Can you say amen? All right, this is how we want to do it now. If you're here today, Samson, Act 4, the end of the story. do doesn't have to be the end of your story. It can be the beginning of a fresh season of life serving Jesus. So listen, if you're here today and you need to make a fresh surrender, then then do it, do it, do it. Don't let the enemy mess with you anymore. Don't let any more time be wasted. Get things right with God so you can walk with God and be fruitful for God and enjoy the blessing that God has for your life. So if you're here today and you need to make a fresh surrender in just a bit, the altars will open, we'll be singing, come, someone will pray with you. You can just pray on your own. For the rest of us, listen, if there's some cracks in our foundation, and the Holy Spirit's beginning to speak to us. Don't ignore them. Let's deal with them right now. Don't let that crack get bigger. That's where the foundation, okay? But lastly, if you need prayer, we always want to pray with you. If you need a touch in your body, he's here today to heal you. If you need a fresh filling, he's here today to fill you. But I think our stress is this. Maybe you have a friend or a loved one that has left the way, they've drifted, they've strayed. Let's pray and ask God to apprehend them and arrest them and bring them back to a real commitment to Christ. Can we do that? Let's do that. Stand with me, please. Stand with me, please. We want to pray a final prayer, then open this altar and believe God together. You know, when you're, when you're, when you're backslid, when you get lukewarm, you get deceived to your own condition, don't you? And many times it's the prayers of our loved ones that release the Holy Spirit to really begin to open our eyes and really begin to deal with us. So sometimes, you know, you want people to wake up, but sometimes, you know, someone's got a blindfold on, it's hard for them to see. But our prayers can begin to lift the veil. Your prayers can begin to lift the veil. You got a child that's not living for Christ. Don't leave before you say some prayers that God will work in their heart. Maybe you have a brother, a sister, a parent that used to be on fire, used to love God. And now they're so lukewarm. Before you go, say some prayers. Lord, speak to them. Lord, deal with them. Lord, don't let the devil keep messing with them. Help them to get back on track so you can use them. Amen. We pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the life and example of Samson. Help us to learn and apply these lessons to our lives. Lord, we don't want to just be hearers of the word. We want to be doers. Help us, help me to apply these lessons to my life. Help us to never take for granted our great salvation. Help us never take for granted our divine calling. Help us, Father, never to neglect your warnings and never to slack when it comes to carrying out the privilege of our ministry father help us never to slack from carrying out the privilege of our ministry father we pray for the strays and the backslidden awaken them apprehend them father in the name of Jesus awaken our loved ones that are not where they should be awaken our friends our family that are not where they should be awaken them apprehend them Holy Spirit deal with them Bring them back to the right path. Deal with them in such a way where they will sober up and return to you. Deal with them, O oh God, in such a way where they'll sober up and they'll return to you. In Jesus' name. and all God's peace.